Parent Advocate Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Chikumba. My pronouns are he, him, and his, and I'm joined by my awesome co-host, Lisette Trujillo. And she's also joined today by her husband, Jose, aka Chewy, who's decided he's going to join us as a co-host for the day. Each week, we bring our take on things happening in the world from the perspective of two parents of BIPOC transgender kids. This is our second episode, and we're super grateful for everyone who tuned in to listen, share, and provide feedback on our inaugural episode with Lucina Fisher. And this week, too, we're interviewing Wayne Maine. So once again, welcome to the show, and let's get started. So, Lisette, what did you do last week? I mean, what didn't I do? It's been really, really a hectic couple of a uh, couple of weeks. I could imagine. Um, we were at the White House uh, for Daniel Spring Break. We did some lobbying, met with our Senator Mark Kelly. And when we were um, in every in every single one of those meetings, Daniel echoed how important it was to him that he was safe and protected in his school, that his home and school was the one place where he doesn't have to uh, fight for himself or advocate for himself. And mm-hmm. when we came home, there was a religious hate group and a church that began disrupting our school board meetings. Come on. So that has shifted all of my attention. <laughs> you know, it's so um, funny some- because on, I think you posted it on Facebook, Daniel actually delivering um, an address that he gave about being seen and safe and feeling like he didn't have to worry about school. And now you've got people at school disrupting that that bubble of safety and security that he had. Yeah, and they're not even from our district. So it's outsiders coming in. We're really lucky that the district has um, like really just strengthened their commitment to following their non-discrimination policy in Title IX. So for now, Daniel's safe, but it just makes life it's a disruption to everyone's lives, right? Like I'm juggling work, mom, and now we have to organize on the ground against this church that's disrupting multiple districts. Yeah, and it's so so crazy that it's the church disrupting children at school. Like these mm-hmm. are the people that are supposed to provide us some level of spiritual safety, some level of wholesomeness, showing us the better way to live, how to love thy neighbor as thyself. And instead, they're the ones fomenting hate at school where children are supposed to be safe. That just doesn't make any sense to me. And they, this same church disrupted a drag time story hour at a like local bookstore that's like l- beloved in our city. Yesterday, there was a, a, a horrible anti-abortion rally on our university campus because we're like a small university town right very progressive little bubble and it turned into like an anti-semitic like rally it's just been crazy how they're like they are infiltrating all of our academic spaces and or spaces where kids go to learn and it's just scary but I could go on forever Stephen why don't you tell me what you were up to last week I mean, it's it's so funny because what we're talking about, about like these outside influences permeating spaces that they don't belong, it's everywhere. Like the week before last was the Transgender Day of Visibility. And so out of that, you have all of these organizations and brands doing things to celebrate, uplift, highlight 
and acknowledge transgender people and the struggles that they've gone through and their their the discrimination that they face and saying, hey, you know what? Today we see you and we're in alignment with you. And so brands like Nike and Budweiser and and Dove and all of these brands have been doing these amazing things, Jack Daniels, to acknowledge pride that transgender people should have. And then you got this backlash. People like Kid Rock shooting up a bunch of Bud cans. Like, hear me now. Um, yo, dude. What are you talking about? And then about? you have stuff to say about, about Yeah, Troy, talk to me. Talk to me. Don't tell me I'm, I'm, I'm the alone and feel like some of these people are plum loco for feeling like, you know, doing something to acknowledge Transgender Day of Visibility is somehow wrong. I'm just in awe that Kid Rock is still relevant in <laughs> modern world. And so the fact that, that, that when he does something, people are like, Kid Rock, I'm like, I don't know. I, I'm like, shouldn't he be like in the space where Fred Durst was like, like just forgotten? Absolutely. I mean, I think so. And it's so funny because not only did grandpa come out of retirement to shoot at some cans of Budweiser, then in the very next breath, he's holding up cans of Happy Dad Seltzer, which is another transgender friendly brand. So are you mad at Budweiser for doing something to acknowledge trans people and not mad at Happy Dads for doing something to acknowledge transgender people. You can't have it both ways, Kid Rock. And maybe that's just because you're old. You don't even know what you're doing anymore. You can't even make heads or tails of what it is that you're doing. But, you know, that's that's just one end of the spectrum. You've got people like Caitlyn Jenner and Kelly Cadigan actively going against transgender people. Like transgender people actively against transgender people. Like this week has been like, my head has been exploding over the things that I've been seeing. The news cycle has been so hard to keep up with. What happened in Missouri yesterday is heartbreaking, heartbreaking and terrifying. They were trying to defund public libraries. Yep. Allow like, 12-year-olds to marry old-ass people. Yep. yep. And Andrew banning Bailey. trans adults. Yep. And kids. This is what's and, happening today. And then they totally took away the bodily autonomy from autistic people because yep. now they're saying that they don't have the the capability it's of a making comorbidity it's it's insane I, insane it's insane but you know what i got a lot to say but i'll wait till another time but like you know this is where we as parent communities i'm calling out all the parent spaces where we really have to self-reflect and think about the ways in which we're trying, the ways in which we harm the larger movement. Because parent communities see themselves as apolitical and outside and they're just gathering to get support so they can learn to support their trans kid. But then they say things or try to conflate connections like autism and trans identity and look at what happens. Missouri happens. Yep. And so we are not outside of the civil rights movement. Uh, the, we are not outside of the transgender civil rights movement. We are active participants and we also cause harm. And so we have to start doing that inside work to think about the ways in which we obstruct progress. Absolutely. And so I'm real grumpy about, I was, I cried yesterday. I just couldn't believe it at all. Yeah. Sometimes you need to cry. And it's so funny, Lisette, because that's, I think why we, created the Parent Advocate Podcast to really reach the people who aren't aware of the fact that sitting on the sidelines is not an option. 
or if you're doing things, not understanding the downstream impacts of the things you're doing. If you're allowing a book ban to happen in your school, you are allowing things like Missouri to take place. If you're allowing the Dobbs decision to go unaddressed, you're allowing things that like what's happening in Kentucky and Tennessee to take place. The roots of these things can only take hold when people are fertilizing that soil of hatred. And so we have to absolutely stop allowing these things that we know intuitively are wrong to happen. But yes, we could talk about this all day and we do not want to keep our guest waiting because we've got a great guest for you today. This week, I'm really excited because we have another one of the fathers featured in Lucina Fisher's documentary short, The Dad. Dr. Wayne Maines is one of the first out fathers of a transgender child in the United States of America. His daughter, Nicole, who you may know from the television show Supergirl, has been one of the most vocal supporters of parents of transgender equality in the United States of America. In fact, his daughter's case for bathroom rights went to the Supreme Court in the state of Maine. Welcome everyone, Maine Maine's to the show. Yay, everybody, it's a pleasure to be here. It's nice to see your faces and hear your voices. Same, same. Uh, Wayne, we are so happy you could join us today. Um, Steven's bio was kind of brief, so can you share a little bit more about your background? Well, that's uh, really, it's, it really comes down to is I'm just a dad trying to raise my kids. I have Jonas and Nicole, my wife Kelly and I, identical twins. And uh, back in the day when, when I was learning my way, I used to say I'm the proud father of identical twins. One's a boy and one's a girl. And it took me a while to, to wrap my head around that, as you all know. And uh, man, I am, I'm so blessed that they, they're on the other side of a lot of what you all are facing right now. And, uh, but they are in there, they are not. As you just said, Lisette, we all have to, to, to be involved in any way possible to, to, to remove and stifle the hate and, the, and quite frankly, the evil that I see that's going on in our nation. So um, I come to work every day and I do my job and every chance I get when I meet a new person, I do what I call witnessing the transgender community and, and try to feel them out and have an open discussion because we have to do it one-on-one. -on -one. We have to do it in writing. We have to do it in podcasts. We have to go to Washington, whatever we need to do to make this go away. So, so, wow. you know, thanks Wayne. Um, yeah. you know, one of the things that, that you just shared, um, is that you're the father of, of twins, one of whom is transgender. What's that like? Like, seriously, how did you process one of your children being trans and the other not? No, you're a boy, you know, get on board. <laughs> and, uh, finally, uh, Jonah said to me, Dad, how come he was a little older? And he said, I can come in the room at four years old at three and a half and everybody's having a party and, I, and I, I'm a boy and everybody agrees with me with no influence from society. And then Nicole comes in and says, she's a girl. And we all tell, you all tell her she's wrong. And uh, that really is the bottom line. The, 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 these kids know who they are. And uh, I had to watch her suffer and then I had to watch 
America attack her before I got on board. And then once I did, I saw this, just like Daniel, what an amazing kid you guys have. Um, they're positive and they're, I mean, he talks to adults. I sat down with him at dinner and, you know, at his age to have a normal conversation with an adult, he's a way ahead of his years and they all are. So that's what, you know, I had to live it to understand it. But we can't wait for America to live this to understand it. We got to find a way to make them trust us and say, hey, we know, we know what we're doing, you know, so, uh, yeah. Wayne, you said something really important right now and something that Jose and I always tell people, it's experiential, right? It's not one thing. It's like who they are, all these little things that make a person. Um, and for our listeners, I just want to say like, by becoming Nicole, when we were starting this journey, that was like the second book I listened to. Um, and it meant a lot to me to hear, uh, just a different perspective and like hear, um, your story told through Nicole. And it was like really lovely and like, yeah, it meant a lot to me to be able to see your daughter be visible. Visibility changes the world for people. It, it tells people that they can exist in it. And so, you know, I'm always grateful. I'm sorry, um, Lisa, I'm going to jump in really quickly because before you joined, Wayne and I were actually talking about books um, and the importance for parents who are just coming into this space to know that there are authors and there are books for you to help understand where you are in your journey, what's happening with your child. You don't have to feel like this is completely foreign uh, territory to you. And so at the end of the show, we're gonna share some additional resources for parents who are struggling, who, who, who don't know where to turn in the midst of all this. So I just wanted to drop that because I think it's important. So Wayne, what was it that, you know, as I've just shared, like how your visibility mattered? I know you all were sort of thrust into the political arena like visible without it being of choice because of what was happening to Nicole in, in her school but what was it that like kept you there kept you being visible kept you telling your story because it it mattered to families like mine right um but you very easily could have hidden like retracted you know moved not shared so openly anymore and kept your yourself safe what was it that motivated you to continue to speak out for your daughter and other trans kids like Daniel? Well, it, it, it still wasn't by choice in a lot of ways. And, and Kelly and I fought over it all the time because we, she's a very private person, as you know, and I'm a not so shy. So, so for those five years that I did not live with Kelly and the kids, I used to get on the bus and I'd write in my journal from the eyes of a Republican conservative dad raising this trans kid. And uh, finally, I shared 100,000 words with our attorneys, and they tied it up attorney-client privilege for a while. But, but they also gave it to, our attorney gave it to Amy Ellis Nutt, who, in a, her agent. And uh, they said, well, who's going to read a book about a trans kid, right? But over that three years that we... Amy kind of hung out with us, a lot changed. And uh, so they approached us and then there was a real need for the book. And they sat down with us and said, 
you really want to do this? And I, Kelly didn't want to do it. And now she's knows, realizes what we did. And I said, I think so. And they go, well, get ready. And holy crap, you know, our, our life's changed forever. The book is wherever I go, I meet somebody. Um, but I also meant, do you really want to do this? Because the first six chapters, I get the crap beat out of me. You know, I'm not, I'm not a really good person. And I have to tell people, wait a minute, wait a minute. It, it gets better. And I, and I think it was so important that I shared my biggest weaknesses with the world so they understood where dads are coming from, you know? And yeah, I, I mean, I laid it right out there and, uh, you know, thank, and I'm still trying to do that because it's so important that people understand that um, men are screwed up, <laughs> you know, but we're running the country and uh, we got to get our heads on straight. That's and, so true, Wayne. It's, and, it's, you know, it's so true because all of us are not coming from this you know, alabaster, pure place when it comes to how we conduct ourselves as human beings. Like I recognize that I was a, a homophobe. I was a transphobe. I was a misogynist. I was a sexist. I had all of these character flaws about myself that I really didn't contend with until my child came out. And then I actually had someone holding up a mirror to me to see how like fucked up I was. Like the things that I thought were okay to do, the things that I was like, eh, who cares? Like I would say things like no homo. I used to drop the F bomb on people all the time. Whenever I thought somebody was doing something that I thought was slightly effeminate, as if being effeminate is somehow wrong, I would drop the F bomb on them and be like fully, full chested, full throated denigration of another person using sexist and misogynist expressions. And it wasn't until my son came out that I was like, yo, Steven, you're fucked up. What you're doing is wrong. How you're acting is wrong. And luckily, luckily my child came out because he has made me so much of a better person. And so many people in this country could benefit from recognizing that they are fucked up and doing wrong when they make fun of, denigrate, ridicule, and or stand by while someone else, someone else is making fun of, ridiculing, or denigrating another person. It's not okay. Um, but the first step is that internal lens that you place on yourself and you recognize that somehow the things that you've done are wrong. Well, and this mama is going to step in to say that all of you wasn't fucked up. We're all products of society, right? Like this is really important because I think, I think too, like I carry a lot of guilt. I thought I was really progressive and I was, and I thought it was like the patriarchy messing with my child. And I was like, there's nothing wrong with being a woman. I bought books. I was like, Beyonce who runs the world girls had just come on. I was playing it everywhere. So I could convince my child that he was not who he was. Right. And it's, and, and so I think the, the thing that that I find prevalent in this political moment is this idea that biases, um, you know, trans misogyny make us bad people. And that's not what makes us bad people. It's the refusal to acknowledge and to grow from it. The, the refusal to acknowledge that we are products of this society who has as a whole marginalized 
LGBTQIA people, people of color, right? Like internalized racism is real for many of us if we've grown up in this country. And so like the, that's the sin, right? The sin is refusing to acknowledge that just so that you don't feel bad about yourself. I, you know, I think that, that that's where we need to be. You know, it's so say, funny. Uh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Chewy. Or I just want to say I was a perfect person before. <laughs> I carry myself so so perfectly and uh, no, no misogyny, no nothing. I, I somehow. No, no. The, the reality is that I, I feel I feel the same way. I uh, once uh, Daniel were, were confronted with the with the reality of having a trans child. It just flipped my world upside down. You know, so used to uh, um, looking at the world from uh, a very uh, uh, privileged, you know, from a very privileged stance, and 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 I I, I grew up in a very uh, uh, traditional, very macho background, and 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 you know everything was about do you have cojones? Do you have cojones? Da, 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 you know all that type of talk. Are you are you man enough? And da da da. And it's like. It just completely changed everything of how how I I, I saw the world. So yeah, we three, uh, Jose, Wayne, and I, were in a movie that was directed by Lucina Fisher, uh, called The Dads, and the inspiration for that movie was actually this man, Wayne Maines. So Wayne, can you tell us about kind of where the origin of this fishing trip came from? Sure. Uh, I said earlier that I try to witness people and talk about my trans kid whenever possible. I can remember my next door neighbor was a, a math professor, but he played football at Ohio State. He was like six foot nine, right? He, you know, and uh, he was, we were at the mailbox getting the mail, and he asked me about the problems in the bathroom in our elementary school, and, and that he, I, and I said, uh, uh, Chris, what's your concern? He goes, well, the bathroom door is off the stall. I said, well, let's just go fix the fucking bathroom door, you know? Uh, and he, I go, you know me, you know, Nicole, we're your neighbors. What you, if you got something you need to say, say it now and we'll fix it. You know, what, what are you afraid of? I had, that's the real question for every man in the country. What are you afraid of? If they can verbalize what they're afraid of, I can help them figure out what the problem is. So, so I started there, but the real idea came when I was on a moose hunting trip in uh, Northern Maine. And uh, there was a guy who just retired from the Air Force and we're, he, we're having uh, a beer at night and he asked me if I have kids. And when you're the first dad with a trans kid in the country, I thought I was the only one. And back then there weren't a lot of us. I always worried about that, how I was gonna answer that question. And uh, so I told him and all of a sudden he gets up and he goes, holy shit, I'm so pissed that America's treating you this way, blah, 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 blah. And then he proceeds to tell me he's got a gay son, right? So, so that helped. But just last week in Virginia, Nicole and I are talking to a police officer that's given us a ride and the same kind of conversation in which I, you know, it's a Virginia police officer. And at the end he goes, I'm so glad you told me that. And Nicole's F-bombing the guy, right? And I'm thinking, oh, my God, we're going to lose this guy. 
In the end, he says, I really needed to hear the story. So now I knew back then that there's other dads just like me that don't know that my first way to get to them is to talk about what I know really well. And that's how to hunt and fish and do all the things that quote conservative family valued dads do. And we, for some reason don't do, I never understood that. And, but if I can get them to the table, then I can start to have the conversation. So that's how we started the idea. And, and then Frank and I and Dennis were talking about it and Lucina overheard us and, Man, thank God she did because, you know, I've been I've been trying to get this film made for a lot of years, and then and then to meet you two crazy guys because what you brought to the table, you know, we really had a good blend of America and and I learned so much from both of you that I would have never even thought about because it's not my shtick, you know. I, you know, I'm not a soccer player from New Jersey. so so. So it's funny because you all of us really um expressed what i consider a high degree of vulnerability that weekend um and and a lot of that was captured on film by lucina she's an amazing filmmaker i'm so excited for people to see the movie but you know one of the things that you talk about in particular is the importance of showing vulnerability. Like you, you you talk to state troopers and you say that you cry and you want them to see you cry. Can you talk about the importance of vulnerability in this moment? Yeah, because especially if, if you look at that group alone, they're taught to be straight and narrow. You know, there's no emotion, you're doing your job. And us, as men, that's what we're taught. Boys don't cry. You know, we, we, we do what we're told. Um, we follow, we follow the rules, we protect our sisters, you know, and we don't cry. And I learned actually the first time I had met the shepherds, I did a talk and, and of course they got up there and told their story about Matthew and it just crushed me. It just crushed me. So then I got up and I was bawling. I said to Julie and Dennis, I said, I don't even know why I'm here. My kid's alive, right? You know, this was back in 2006 and but man, the whole, I had the audience in the palm of my hands. And, uh, but when I start telling my family story, I, it was a battle. I mean, I mean, I didn't live with them for a long time. I, I missed most of my kids' childhood. And I thought I was a failure as a person and as, a, as an American, as, as a dad. And uh, it was, I get emotional and I'm getting emotional now because I have post-traumatic stress. It's a different kind of war and you all are in it. And uh, if, if we can't let people see our pain, they're not going to listen. You know, and, uh, so uh, my macho, I'm a macho crying dad. I don't know if that's, you can label that, but uh, you know, <laughs> I can Jose, yeah. I would say that that's muy macho because being mm. able to cry is um, yeah. important and yeah. vulnerable yeah. and makes you connected to all the things that make you yourself. Sorry, I spoke yeah. for yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah no. Muy macho, say it. The, the, more, the more vulnerable we are, the hard, it's hard to be vulnerable, especially if you grew up with, you know, you, 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 you're, you're, you're the man in the house. You protect your, your, your sisters. You, you know, that kind of thing. You show your face for, for your family. 
and then you be you become vulnerable in a in a situation. It's just uh, it's muy macho. I mean, I I'd like to say that I have nothing to lose. You know, I mean, I need to use whatever I got to help change people's minds and. And I'm a, I don't hold anything back anymore. You know, there's a, if, if I screwed up, I'm going to tell you I screwed up. And um, I have to use whatever tools I have. And if it, talk, if it means telling people my worst failures, and it might not even be about Nicole. It could be about the buck that I missed because I wasn't paying attention, you know, to, to get their attention. But if we can't talk about our biggest failures, we can't grow and uh, and that's what i challenge our politicians man if you got a lot of failures let's talk about them and uh, and if if you're afraid of daniel or some other nine-year-old kid you got bigger issues you shouldn't be running this state or this country uh, go and, and last thing i would like to say to them everybody's family's got somebody you just don't know it yet you know and i sure hope to hell that you get your head on straight before that kid needs your help. In the People Magazine article that came out after the dads premiered in South by Southwest, you talked about the struggle to accept your daughter's gender identity. Um, normally I would ask like, can you elaborate on that? But I'm gonna, for us, it became really important. And, and you know, hindsight, right? Like we have, we're seven years, eight years later. Um, Daniel talks a lot about trans joy and the importance of that. And I think what we did really well that I struggled with growing up as like first gen is not internalizing like race and shame. And so when I was raising Daniel, I was like, I need him to feel pride. Like, I don't want him to feel that his trans identity others him. So if, when you, when you tell your story about how the difficulties of accepting what was happening in front of you, right? And and creating a pathway where you affirmed Nicole. What do you feel is like the greatest gift and your the joy that you find in being like this visible family and and like loving Nicole so like fully? What do you what what has that journey brought to you? What do you feel now that you can look back? Well, I think the best way for me to to describe that is helping other people so one time nicole and i did this talk in massachusetts in a church and there were 300 people in the and we get all done and this sixth grader comes up to the front of the room what courage that took this is 10 and 15 years ago and said i just came out at school and i only have one friend and now i have no friends and uh, you know i'm just crushed right i'm just i don't know so nicole goes well, I'm telling you, you know how Nicole is. She's, I'm telling you right now, you have two new friends, you, my dad and I, but I was watching this crowd behind this kid and I just started crying. And I said, you need to turn around because you now have 350 friends. And that kid, that church, that congregation took this kid in. And if we can get to do that every now and then and help a kid, that's my proudest moment. I'm proud of Jonas and Nicole for everything they've done and are still doing. Um, but I also realize that we can't put it all on their shoulders. You know, you, you know, 
that's a lot of responsibility to put on our kids. So you said it earlier, we all need to do what we need to do. So, so they do not have to continue to be the voice of this fight. And, uh, that's a great segue yeah. for my next question, which is essentially there have been a fuck ton of anti-trans bills proposed in states across this country, and it just seems to be getting worse. What advice do you have for parents facing this unprecedented attack on their trans children? Well, I think it's what I said earlier. They have to be confident enough to have those conversations with people they wouldn't normally talk to. You know, and, uh, and it can be a little scary on occasion, but try to find a way to break into that conversation with, with the people that we're trying to reach in our short film is people on the fence, right? And so ask them, what are you afraid of? And do, you real, do they even realize these bills exist? Most of the country is so afraid to watch the news, myself included, it's just so depressing as Lisette said earlier, like, holy crap, I don't wanna hear that, but you gotta, you gotta hear that. And, uh, and then you gotta, you gotta go to your church. If you coach, you need to bring it up. Now, granted, you're gonna ruffle some feathers, but you gotta, we all have to do that. And uh, whatever, at line at the grocery store, you know, wear your pride t-shirt. And, you know, <laughs> I was so amazed that I'm gonna get to do this talk in, in Tyler, Texas. And I met those people when we were at something else and they were gonna have their first pride parade. And I said, holy crap, I wanna be involved, you know? So, but you also gotta be careful. I'm advising you folks, just don't burn yourselves out either. You know, you, it's a, um, Mary Bonanno was a, one of our attorneys. She was the lead attorney for the marriage equality Supreme Court case. And she always reminds me that it's, it's a marathon, not a, not a sprint, you know? And we have to get our kids to understand that so they can survive this. And uh, so that's, that's my advice. Well, Wayne, I do wear my Protect Trans Kids t-shirt in the Boots Barn all the time. And when I tell you the looks crack me up, but mm, I keep going. That's right. Um, <laughs> Wayne, thank you so much for coming and speaking with us. I can't tell you how much we appreciate you and love you. And like, you've made our lives better. Nicole's made well, our lives better. So, well, I sure thank hope you. that that one of these days we can get together and just break bread and Kelly will be there. So, okay. So We're down for all. barbecue. Yes. Okay. And we're watching you cook all the damn time on Facebook. So you gotta you gotta bring those culinary skills to our next get together. Well, nobody wanted to take me up on the rattlesnake gumbo. So I'll try something else. All right. I will wait. And now it's time for our recurring segment, Allies and Assholes, where we highlight individuals or groups that are supporting the LGBTQIA community on the one hand, or just straight up assholes on the other. Lisette. Who are we talking about today? Our ally of the day is Athlete Ally. Last week, 40 elite professional Olympic and Paralympic athletes signed on to an open letter opposing Federal Bill H.R. 734, which would stipulate that Title IX compliance requires a federal ban of transgender and intersex girls and women from participating in sport. Athlete Ally is really stepping up, you know, people like Chris Mosier, Megan Rapino, numerous Olympians have stood up to say that this proposed bill is going to do damage 
to athletes across the country. And they don't have to do it. It's not necessary. No one has to step into the breach to support, protect, and uplift trans people. But these athletes think it's a worthy thing to do. And hopefully, members of Congress and Senate will listen to them. And for this reason, Athlete Ally is our Ally of the Week. Now, it's time to talk about the Asshole of the Week. And our Asshole of the Week is none other than Republican Florida State Representative Webster Barnaby. For those of you who do not know, Representative Barnaby referred to transgender people when he was speaking in support of the bathroom bill being proposed in Florida that would prevent transgender people from using bathrooms that comported with their gender. He referred to them as demons and imps who have no place in the world. Representative Barnaby was elected to serve the people of the state of Florida. And transgender people are people in the state of Florida. So when you refer to your constituents as demons and imps, I think you are somehow falling below the standard that we expect our electeds to hold. Now, as I always say, when people show you who they are, believe them. And when Representative Barnaby was called out on this, he issued some half-assed apology. And, and it was literally one of the lamest, most insincere apologies I have ever heard. And how do I know it was the most insincere apology I ever heard? Because he took to Twitter right after issuing his apology and said he stood by both his original statement and his apology. What an asshole. And for this reason, Representative Barnaby is our asshole of the week. Uh, this is, well, this is our show for today, folks. I want to thank today's guest, Wayne Maines, for spending time with us today. I'd like to thank our surprise co-host, Chewy, for being here as well. And also thank my amazing co-host, Stephen Chakumba, for always bringing the fire when we record our episodes. Thank you, Lisette. Thank you, Chewy. Thank you, Wayne. Honestly, Lisette, I, I could not do this without you. Um, and folks, we couldn't do this without all of you. So thank you for tuning into the Parent Advocate Podcast. Please join us again next time for our third episode. And feel free to like, subscribe, follow, and do all the things you need to do to keep yourself up to speed on everything that we're doing here on the Parent Advocate Podcast. Thanks for joining. Yay! All right, folks, that's a wrap. Thank you, Wayne. You've been listening to the Parent Advocate Podcast. Tune in again for another episode. You can find the book and New York Times bestseller, Becoming Nicole, The Transformation of an American Family, on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and wherever books are sold. If you are thinking about harming yourself, get immediate support. Please reach out to The Trevor Project and connect to a crisis counselor 24-7, 365 days a year from anywhere in the U.S. It's 100% confidential and 100% free. You can get help at thetrevorproject.org.